AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. It has been a busy week. E15, interest rates, inflation, ESG, farm bill, bird flu. We have got the team assembled and we are ready to tackle all those issues and more, whatever else might come up on this week's Free For All. Live from the Twin Threes of 23 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, it's our Friday for Reaper Ho! Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and I will personally people the peanut gallery. Right after the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm <laughs> Journal's Pork I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, we have got quite the agenda for this free-for-all here this morning. We've covered some, you know what, we've covered a lot of the ground uh, already this week. Bill yep. Northey. I went, I was driving around yesterday, mm-hmm. running some errands, and I listened to the conversation that we had with Bill Northey yesterday morning. Uh Man, that was good. He covered several issues that I think are really important in uh, in in ag right now, mm-hmm. uh, and offered some great perspective. And I listened to the conversation with Jared Creed that we had yesterday afternoon. Oh yeah, on crop insurance and yeah. the decision making process and how setting goals is so important in making the right selections on on coverage levels uh and how to turn those goals into a marketing plan i i just thought it was i thought it was fantastic conversation if you haven't heard either one of those please go to agritalk.com get on the agritalk app and listen to those conversations i think Check they're really For sure. really important well and i think so. what the people really really want to know yeah did you find yourself a new sport coat? I did. You did? I did. Yes, I did. Um, That's outstanding. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while uh, since yeah? I have uh, purchased a sport coat. Uh-huh. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Yeah, maybe let's upgrade things a little bit. Uh, he did. He, 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 the guy tried to, you know, tried to get one past me though. Oh, really? Yeah, he put a coat on me and said, "Boy, that looks fantastic." And uh-huh. I said, "You know," I looked in the mirror and I was like, "You know what?" That does look pretty good. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Mm-hmm. That is great. And, uh, and and then I said, okay, I got to ask. He, the guy was trying to sell me a $900 sport coat. That's $900? not going to happen. No. <laughs> well, you know, and as for as many times as you play sports throughout the year, $900 is too much to spend on a sports coat. You know, it's just yeah. too much. I, I get you. I, I get you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy, let's get to it. What do you got in the news? Well, Chip, new data from USDA's Economic Research Service shows that between fiscal years 2018 and 2022, Mexico accounted for nearly 14% of all U.S. ag exports. With a total value of $28 billion, Mexico is projected to be the United States' second largest destination for U.S. ag exports in fiscal 22 and is forecast to reach 15% in 2023. 
On average, Mexico purchased $6.5 billion in U.S. grains and feeds per year during that period. Chip. This is one of the reasons that it's so important to get this issue over GMO settled. Yes. Yep. Um, now, a couple of things to consider on that af- after saying it is if, if Mexican end users want the non-GMO product, they can bid for it. They can sign contracts for it. Mm-hmm. And producers give producers enough incentive, and and the product can be produced. The problem with allowing the ban is that it just goes against all science, and mm-hmm. it goes against the agreement in the USMCA. Well, Chip, as fertilizer prices are easing, farmers are facing volatility on other fronts, both regulatory and financial. Fertilizer Institute head Corey Rosenbosch begins here. Fertilizer prices have come down. Farmers have definitely taken a wait-and-see approach as we approach the spring planting season. European nitrogen plants have restarted. China has slowly begun uh, exporting product. Russia trade flows have shifted and actually had a record year of exports last year. So there's the good news, but on the flip side, uh, Iowa Republican Representative Randy Feenstra and American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval discuss this. Interest rates are crushing and our young farmers, uh, whoever they might be, are, are going to feel the blunt of that worse than they've ever seen before if it continues to rise. I agree 100%. And there's no end in sight right now. And the feds have said this, that they don't know where their this rate increases are going to end. This as two Fed policymakers cautioned that recent stronger-than-expected readings in the U.S. economy could push them to raise interest rates by more than previously expected. Chip. Well... The conversation that we had with Mark Welch, I'm going to bring it up in the free-for-all, but it, it drove it home to me that uh, these int- higher interest rates, interest rates are going higher and they're going to stay high for a longer period of time than what I thought before the conversation with Mark. Well, Chip Senator Joe Manchin urged his fellow Democrats to discuss spending cuts with the GOP ahead of a debt ceiling deadline. Uh, lightning round, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz will arrive at the White House today to discuss how to maintain weapons supplies to Ukraine. Britain, France, and Germany are in favor of a public censure of Tehran over Iran's production of near-weapons-grade uranium, while the Biden administration is reluctant to do so. And California has already received twice the average snowfall it already uh, usually sees. Recent precip in the state has freed half of the state from drought, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. Chip. Wow. Now... Hold on to the water. Don't yes, just send right? it out to the ocean. Right. You, water, oh, man, it's so valuable in that state. Please, 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 oh, do the right thing and and hold hold that water back for use later. All right. Thanks, Davis. <laughs> Let's bring in Jennifer sure. Shike, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. Uh, hey, Jennifer, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing real fine. I'm going to be a commodity classic in Orlando next week. Jennifer is going to be in Orlando at the same time for the Pork Industry Forum. Give us a preview. Well, I'm super excited for it. It's always a great opportunity for the pork industry to come together and meet with other people from all over the country um, to really like take a look at how the producer-led organizations are spending time, money, and effort to, to help and support our pork industry. So there's going to be a lot of great talks, and there's going to be, of course, the state caucuses, 
Um, and, and they'll be voting and all that good stuff. But I'm looking forward to hearing from a group of producers um, who went overseas and kind of uh, did a deep dive with some people over there about African swine fever and some of the things they've learned from it. Um, I always think that firsthand experience is helpful. But, um, you know, I yeah. bet I'll get some good food while I'm there, too. So I'm kind of excited yeah. about that. <laughs> I'm just being yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. This is this is. I mean, we talk about the Pork Expo, and the Pork Expo gets so much attention, but this mm -hmm. is uh, kind of the policy-setting event for the pork industry, right? It really is. And yeah. um, I posted a story that's up on porkbusiness.com um, that really just kind of has some producers talking about what they – like most about it or what that, you know, their advice and their thoughts for people who maybe are first timers or, you know, have been there before, but just things to take advantage of. And several of them mentioned that, you know, this is kind of your chance to, yep. to really be in on the ground floor of policy. Excellent. We'll see you down there, Jennifer. Thanks. We got the free Sounds for all good. next. AgriTalk is brought to you by United Animal Health, where their science allows you to maximize your genetic potential. Learn more at unitedanh.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. If the world is your oyster, We've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Jeff. It is time for the free-for-all here on AgriTalk. Davis Michelson is in on the conversation today. Yes. yes. And and let's uh, bring in <laughs> pro-farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Good morning, Jim. Good to be back, Chip. Yep. How was the travels? Oh, great. Altus, Oklahoma. We have a lot of listeners there, by the way. Kathy yep. Fowler's uh, crop insurance clients. It was a great meeting. And I learned, Chip, uh, crop uh, livestock insurance was only $500 million in 2018. Guess what it is in 2022? Oh. $21, $21 billion. That's a 4,000% increase. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. How are you, buddy? Hey, Chip, I'm doing great. I'm doing uh I'm doing really good. It's been good. Uh, a lot happening and still uh yeah, it's hard to believe we're already into March. It kind of blows me away. Yep. Yep. We've got Commodity Classic next week, man. I know. You and I, we're going to be in the same room. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. 
you know, Sean, I do this too often, and I, I'll hold something from Real Agriculture until the very end of the show. We're going to do it right up front because it's a very important story, and your coverage on it is great. But BASF has made some big decisions on the wheat breeding uh, front. Uh, tell us about your coverage. Yeah, so I actually think that Real Agriculture broke this story on on Monday. I think uh, I know we beat Reuters, so I'll, I'll you know I'll brag about that. Um, so BSF has decided they're they're going to basically cease their activities in hybrid wheat seed uh, in North America, so Canada, the U.S., uh, as well as my understanding is Australia. They're going to focus more of their hybrid program, similar to Syngenta made this decision a number of years back, to focus more on on Europe. Yeah. Uh, my understanding of the situation is is that companies like BSF have had a hard time getting the hybridization yield bump that would warrant the the price increase. Uh, basically, you know, making it a, a have a good value proposition to the North American farmer, and and you know, it's different than corn, right? And yep. on a number of fronts, and it one is. of the factors is bulk. <laughs> yep. Wheat's a lot bulkier, right? So, um, yeah, this is a bit of a setback when we look at the com- long-term competitiveness, I think, of wheat to some of the other crops that are that are hybridized. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the U.S. farmer, uh, with the areas that we grow winter wheat, it, there's so much competition from corn. If, if they are going to plant soft red winter wheat in the eastern belt, it better work in a double crop system. Uh, and... The willingness to pay the price that it takes to get advancement—I I just don't think the, the the stomach is there for it. Is is it, Sean? Well, you know, here's here's been my observation. The reaction—I think you're exactly right. And, and I'll, I'll for the reaction to the story, like when when we had Monsanto and uh, Bayer and BSF and Genta, everyone was talking about hybrid wheat. They all kind of did it at the same time and they were acquiring germplasm to launch into hybrid wheat development. It was like in like a lion. There was big claims made. Um, just as of recently, BSF was talking about launching hybrids mid mid decade. That's in a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Um, as the, as these as these programs are being shut down or they're exiting, the farmer has not had much of a reaction. It's like it's like it's sort of like March in like a lion, out like a lamb. Uh, it's pretty quiet. So I I tend to agree with you, Chip, that I farmers were not convinced that this was going to happen, and, and really a little bit suspect about the value. So uh, it's unfortunate, but it's it's kind of the it's the money talking. Well. I don't see Chip with us at the moment, so let the conversation continue. Hello, Jim Weissmeyer. Did we? Yeah. Wow. Wait, I was like, where did uh, the, the host go? I don't hey, know. Hey, Davis, how are you? Point. Hey, welcome to AgriTalk, everybody. How long have I been asleep? Um, <laughs> uh, Jim, you're you're back from Oklahoma. What were you doing down there? I was speaking at a crop insurance meeting uh, by mm-hmm. Kathy Fowler, but I'll even come in on this wheat thing. Who do you think is going to come in now and take some of that uh, plasm uh, information? It'll be China and other countries. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting. Yeah. I don't have an answer to you on that, Jim. Um, and, and and what happens to some of this uh, some of this germplasm? And maybe some of it's just kept and it's it's you know used in the in the in the European market. Although Kansas is a little bit different than. 
than uh, France or Germany when we we think about the kinds of varieties. But yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see if uh, there's that kind of situation from uh, like a a China yeah. or yep. or other. Yep, we're going to have to continue to watch uh, watch as this story develops. There's there's no question about that. Okay, let's talk about the head fake. I, well, it, Jim, I think you put a pretty doggone good headline on this story. Um, it and when you said that uh, the ethanol industry um, uh, wins but loses again, uh, it's just amazing to me that we we got the approval on E15. Year-round sales in seven Midwest states. They, EPA had a problem with North Dakota's application on it and didn't grant uh, for North Dakota. But it's not it, it's not going to be implemented until 2024. What? It's kind of a blow, isn't it? It's another blow. And then to EPA, uh, when uh, Chuck Grassley, Senator Grassley asked, why did it take so long to get this announcement? EPA said that, well, they, they wanted to avoid court challenges. Well, we already have court challenges or will have yeah. on this one, Chip. So that's just a facade. And there's another one coming now because Governor Reynolds here in Iowa has already said, <laughs> I, I, number one, I need to meet with Biden on this that's the first thing that she said and she's requested the meeting the second thing is if it's not available in 2023 in the state of iowa epa is going to have another lawsuit to deal with if iowa doesn't get a waiver um it's just it's it's amazing to me that that it has gotten this far i don't know it would a meeting with biden do anything on this front jim well, it puts it as a focus issue, and I don't think it'll hurt, Chip. I will say that. Okay. All right. As long as we're talking about ethanol and fuels and everything else, did you see that some European countries, Jim, are are working to might might join forces to block a ban on internal combustion engines that is coming yes. in the EU? Yeah, that's the pushback, uh, you know, gaining momentum. Yeah. Yeah. What do you Which think? country specifically? Jim, do you know that list? Uh, well, Germany, for sure. You, yeah. you can imagine why. I, I yeah. know. And that's the big one. You don't need any other country if, they, if they've got the pushback. But, you know, something else I saw in Altus, Oklahoma, Chip, in this regard, the people there told me their Lincoln, Ford Lincoln dealership uh, lost, I think, the license of that because Ford is dictating that Lincoln sells only electric Lincolns from now on. Oh, man. It's going to put Lincoln out of business. Don't yeah. worry about it. Well, in there, it in, won't in last Oklahoma, long. I'll tell you, in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it. we had a chance when we talked with uh, Bill Northey yesterday morning, uh, we talked a little bit about ESGs uh, and, and the issues involved there. And today there are stories again that the Biden administration is considering a ban of gas stoves uh, for health reasons, for the kids, because it, it has uh, – it, it, it raises the risk of asthma in in kids or complications from asthma, I guess. But the city of Denver, Colorado, when they're putting up any commercial buildings going forward, there's no gas heat, no gas appliances, no gas lines being run to the commercial buildings anymore. Oh, this this is happening in cities across America because. It, it increases the odds that they are going to get financing for a project from a bank that is adhering 
to the ESG visions. This is a problem, you guys. This is a yeah. big, big problem, Jim. Well, the administration is going out for information, so they want it. That means uh, that they, even despite, what, a month ago they pulled back from this? Now they want to get information just to slam it through. Well, yeah. And, and you know what? At least put the lines in. Because it, once you don't put the lines in, then you're you're really, really cutting off yourself in case something changes in yep. the future. Because like at yep. least put the lines in so you can at least reverse course if you have to in an emergency situation or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, right. I, I love cooking on a gas stove. So like I my I'm I'm keeping my gas stove. I don't care what they tell me. Well, and we always we always talk about you know why is the Northeast uh, such a big fuel oil uh, heating oil market for you know for winter heat? It's because they don't have the lines. They it, natural yeah. gas wasn't part of the equation when the houses were built, so they didn't put they didn't put the lines in. Now they've everybody's got these little fuel tanks sitting just outside that they use to heat their house with. I it's. It's, uh, boy, you want to talk about a step backwards. Let's not run the gas lines to these commercial buildings. Great idea. Great idea. Okay. We're going to keep the free-for-all going next year on AgriTalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining me now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Beach, uh, here we are. It's been kind of a volatile week, a big downside movement early in the week. Got a recovery started today again. Yeah, uh, really, the volatility's been in, uh, led by the soy complex, uh, you know, and yeah. uh, soybean, soy meal. Uh, they're both, uh, they've recouped everything that we lost earlier in the week. So uh, we see that, uh, you know, the funds can liquidate pretty aggressively. Uh, and without notice, and, and then there's also buyers under the market. So, uh, you know, fundamental support continues to come from the Argentine crop situation. Uh, we know it's small. We just don't know how small it is. And, yeah. and uh, as long as those estimates continue to be cut, uh, you know, there's support for both the uh, soybean and soy meal markets. Okay. I just noticed that the wheat market that was at least slightly higher earlier has turned to the downside. Anything happening there? 
No, just struggling to, to find buyers uh, because, you know, the, the exports are poor and, and uh, uh, you know, that's the same situation in, in corn. Corn's firmer here at mid-morning today, but, uh, right. uh, you know, corn and, and wheat don't have the same exports that uh, soybeans do, and, and uh, right. so they don't have that to fall back on. And, and uh, uh, you know, the corn market's being supported a little bit today by some rumors that China was in, not only for U.S. corn, but also uh, okay. sorghum and on the price break. So okay. uh, that, that's given that a little bit of support okay excellent take us over to the livestock trade mostly plus signs there yeah and really starting to shoot to the upside here in the cattle market uh, so uh i haven't confirmed anything but i would guess cash cattle trade is now being reported at, at higher levels uh feeder cattle yeah. they're uh, they're shooting to the upside uh as well despite the strength in corn and then hogs are mostly firmer gotcha thank you brian have a good weekend pro farmer editor brian grady Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. AgriTalk. Chippy, you still there? I am. I think so. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Just kidding. I can hear you fine. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the Free For All Got Davis in on the conversation, Sean yep. Haney, Jim Wiesmeyer. Uh, Jim, what was the what was the action that the Senate took this week to push back on uh, on the White House um, ESG initiatives? Well, you had two Democrats. It didn't. There was a special rule that they didn't need sixty votes. That's point number one. And okay. there were two uh, Democrats, uh, the Montana Manchin guy and and, uh, and and Manchin. Tester. Yep. yep. Yeah. Both voted for the Republicans, but uh, uh, he's going to veto. This will be President Biden's first veto. So it's still not going it, to. It'll be defeated, Chip. But it's a signal, oh. and it shows a lot where Biden's coming from on this issue. Right. Right. Um, another reason that it passed, and we we need to mention it, uh, Fetterman from Pennsylvania and uh, is it Feinstein from Feinstein. California Yes, uh, are both in the hospital right now and unable to attend to Senate uh, votes. It, so the <laughs> the slim majority that the Democrats have in the Senate is basically gone right now, right? Uh, yeah, yes, right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So something that we, we've got to watch what the Republican leadership in the Senate might do. It, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if they view it as a window of opportunity, Jim. It just wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. But still, the 60 votes, if you're against something, this was yeah. a special rule that didn't need it. So that's a caveat. OK. But, but in the in the financial markets, there there has been. Uh, a pushback against yes. some of this ESG. Like I, I think I saw on the CNBC ticker this morning, like BlackRock is yeah. has had like four and a half billion dollars leave their fund, um, right? As pushback over some of these these uh, these measures, these investment measures. So this is you know this is this is happening all around us, not just in DC. Yeah, and, and a couple of other high dollar fund managers have. Uh, have have basically said no we're not going to play this game uh the reason that they're not playing the game is because the esg returns are about half of what their normal 
portfolio has been able to pull. And they just said, listen, it's our responsibility to give our investors the greatest return that we can. And we can't achieve that with ESG restrictions. So the money, like you said, Sean, the money is moving away from it. It, it, uh, yeah. It's interesting. And the one thing about Wall Street, you know where their priority is. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in the world that is cloudy, but when it comes to Wall Street, you know exactly where the priority is. <laughs> That's Bottom line. right. Bottom line. Bottom line, baby. That is exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, Jim, let's let's have a conversation about what's going on in the Farm Bill. What's been the latest development? Well, hearings, but yeah, I don't want to be too negative, but I've heard very little new out of these hearings, whether they're in D.C. or in the field hearings. You you just, Chip, you got to know how much money you're going to be able to spend in yeah. order to have even a chance of improving a very anemic Title I, which is the safety net program for farmers. Yeah, but isn't there a ref, uh, uh, an increased attention on Title I right now? Uh, greater interest in beefing it up? Oh, absolutely. And you can do that by moving some of the, uh, all those billions of dollars that were in ad hoc disaster chip over the last few years, which is not in the farm bill baseline. So that's why both political parties have to convince the budget, uh, uh, you know, chairman in the house and the Senate to move that into the farm bill baseline. And if you do that, then you, you can indeed improve title one. Right. Are, are you still detecting the optimism that you you were, Jim, in terms of getting this across the finish line? Oh, I think it, the Senate will get it done because that's Stabenow. She she's a proven uh you know timeline person on a farm bill. It may take until early 2024, the first half of 2024, to get it out of the House. But uh, uh, he's uh, uh, G T Thompson, uh, the House Ag Committee Chairman, is going to need Democratic votes because uh, more than a few con- arch conservative Republicans will not vote f- almost for any farm bill. So it's got to be a compromise bill and may take a while to get there you know it was interesting in the conversation that we had with new ceo of the national corn growers association neil kasky on monday morning his first day on the job davis remember this when he was talking about uh, Mm -hmm. about, um uh his priorities and how priorities might shift a bit under his leadership at ncga it certainly sounds like their plan is going to adjust more to education of the urban lawmakers rather than, he did not say this, I will say this, rather than preaching to the choir of the farm state lawmakers. It sounds to me like it's, it's worth at least trying, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't I don't buy into the thing where these new lawmakers, that's a problem because those new lawmakers don't come in weighted down from the (laughs) from the debates of the past. So it's a fresh opportunity to educate them. And at a time where there's a lot of, you know, discussion in all circles across the U.S. in terms of food affordability. Right. So I think their ears are open to talking about stuff like this and, and trying to get a better understanding of it. At least it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm telling you, uh, the nutrition programs are going to move into the headlines more and more now uh, as as the uh, the benefits, the benefits, the 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 support that some families get. It it was cut on March one in some states. 
that that still had the um, um, the pandemic uh, extension of supports that 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 were in place, Jim. I'm not sure how many states it was, but it's going to become an issue in those states when all of a sudden they look at their their uh, nutrition support and it's not as much as it was in February. Well, yeah, but recall as an emergency uh, food assistance aid during the pandemic, they knew that there was a timeline for that additional increase, but they choose not to uh, remember that now. That was three years ago. They, the the recipients for the most part thought it was a permanent thing. The recipients. Yes. Now, if it can be up to the state, like New Jersey is, is, you know, going up to the table and providing the additional funding, that's the American way to do it. If, if you just leave it to the States. Yeah. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm, a, a bigger believer in that all all the time all the time um okay the conversation with bill northy uh yesterday morning on conservation issues i asked him about the funding for the climate smart farming programs uh that have that that is being implemented by usda and the funding coming from ccc uh bill said up front, you know, he was up front. And he says, "Listen, my team at USDA, or the, the the team that he was part of at USDA, tapped the CCC funds in a big way, and they used them. He just doesn't see the immediate threat to the financial condition out there that is typically required to tap into those CCC funds to fund these climate smart programs, Jim. He wants to see that moved into the farm bill. Agree? Disagree?" I absolutely agree. You, you know, Vilsack tapped a little over $3 billion without any authorization from Congress on that. That's not the way it should be. And that's going to be changed in the farm bill, Chip. Okay. It, but you know what? I, I think he's right, but maybe both <laughs> should be, but both reasons should be a part of the farm bill. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and staying away from ad hoc, you know, political pandering and, and get more to where it's, 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 it's functional. If, if, so the, the system, if there needs to be relief and support, the, the farm bill provides that function. That may be a really, really tall ask, but I, that, that really should be the aspirational goal. I think. Yeah. That, that does make sense. That does make sense, Sean. No, no question about it. Um, we've got just a couple of minutes left in here uh, in this segment let's uh let's talk about the commitment of traders report we haven't gotten updated data there since that jim was it a hack that got into the the cftc yes. data in the derivatives especially absolutely yeah. so we don't have... now we're going to have a hearing chip i think what march the 8th on on this uh the cftc chairman will be there and boy good. this will be a focus good absolutely it will be a focus because the positioning in the wheat market and i made a note with brian there at the bottom of the hour in markets now that the wheat market is back under pressure the latest data that we've got on the commitment of traders showed that the funds were heavily short wheat already that was probably 50 cents ago guys i mean the size of that fund short in the wheat market right now it can change outlook yeah it's oversold but if the fund's if the market doesn't know it, that the funds have added on and are holding a big record short, there's no incentive to hold their feet to the fire and try to get a short covering rally in here. It changes market outlook, Haney. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just as much as we saw the, that 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 fund money drive this market higher, yep. uh, you know, some time ago, we're yeah, more and more. I think we're growing cautious that uh, they're trying to and will drive it lower. Yeah. And so it's really upon farmers to really, really make sure they're protecting themselves from that downside risk. However you do that, it's yep. you definitely need to go through that decision-making process. And there's yep. a fundamental reason, too, why wheat prices are being, uh, you know, have, have gone lower. Russia's uh, wheat export price is now under the yeah. price of U.S. corn. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It uh, Russia is doing everything that they can to be that supplier out there. We're going to talk more about that because we've got to hit the Russian U.N., Ukraine grain deal. We've got to talk about some of the inflationary indicators, what it means for interest rates, China's support for Russia in Ukraine, and we got to hit the bird flu too. We've got a lot to cover yet on the free for all here on AgriTalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Okay, let's wrap up the free-for-all. We've got Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio, Davis Michelson, and Pro Farmers Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Uh, Speaking of wrapping up here, Jim, you've wrapped up your travel for for the season. Uh, USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack has not. He's on the move again next week. Yeah, Monday, he's going out to California, Chip, to the NFU convention, you know, and that's like uh, uh, Trump going to a, a CPAC meeting. He's going yeah. to throw a lot of meat to that crowd. Yeah, yeah he absolutely <laughs> will. And, <laughs> and, and he's got a list of announcements that they are calling major announcements again. Increased availability for independent meat and poultry. Poultry process. Wait, no, that's not new. Alleviate supply chain bottle. Well, that's not new either. Create opportunities for small businesses and entrepreneurs. And okay, I think we've heard all these before, Wiesmeyer. What is going on? It's all add-ons. But you know, I told Brian Grady at Pro Farmer, you always have new subscribers, so you do have to repeat certain stories (laughs) with a different perspective. Okay, that's right. That's right. Good point. Yes. Good point. It, it's it's like uh, Davis and I. It's so hard. It's so hard to not say from time to time. As you all know, 
well, mm-hmm. we don't know that they know, know that about us. It could be the first time that somebody's listening. Hello, new listeners. We appreciate yeah. you. Thanks for we finding do. us. We hope you come Absolutely. back. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Please do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's also, Secretary Vilsack is also going to be at Commodity Classic yep. uh, next next week as as well, which will be interesting to kind of see if he does. I assume he's going to do a press conference as well and see kind of what yeah. he what issues he's really, really pressed with next week as he you know stands in front of uh, the, the media and producers that are at that event, including Great if he had some fresh material there. <laughs> yeah, including E15 decision. Yeah, E15. I, I would imagine that that is going to be a major uh, topic of biofuels in general. But, boy, I'll bet he gets right back on the sustainable aviation fuel, guys, and talks about the opportunities that are there. Because uh, the last the last time uh, that I heard him talk about it, he was still saying that it's a 30-billion-gallon market. Okay? So, um uh, very good. Very good. Hey, Joe just said us. We had a caller. He says he wants to know if the BSE case found in Brazil is a threat to the U.S. Eh, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Here's why. It was an atypical case, atypical case, which means it was spontaneous. It's not like it came from an issue in the um, in the feeding program in Brazil. The other thing is uh, we do import beef from Brazil, but it is low-risk stuff. It It is hamburger grind. Uh, so I don't – it'd be tough to call it a threat, but because well, they are so bad at the process, that's why the NCBA is calling for a complete halt of – uh, beef imports from Brazil. That's and the World the Animal Health Organization is it has been alerted, so they're on the job. You know, the, yeah. I'm sure. And so is APHIS. APHIS is a good group. They, they, yeah, that one I like. Times they're they're very good protectors. They're, they so are on it. I wouldn't say threat. I'd say probably opportunity, especially as you think about exports to China. Yeah. Right. Um, that yeah, that might be did. more of the reaction if China really cools off on importing beef. They're very sensitive to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how they re- how China reacts. That's more of your signal. Right. Right. Let's uh, let's move on to China and China's support for Russia and its invasion over Ukraine. How big is this going to get, Jim? Well, they're Gary. It could be big, Chip. It depends because we if we get the proof, uh, uh, they're going through third parties. By the way, they're really helping. Yeah. They're increasing their assistance to Russia. But if it's true uh, connections through and including third parties, uh, this is going to be a big issue ahead. Absolutely, uh, Haney. I know you're watching the development of the Russia UN Ukraine grain deal. The deadline. Uh, well, well, the existing agreement ends on March 18. Probably going to be a lot of talk right up to March 18, and then they'll get something done. Is that your feel? I think that's, that, that, that's kind of what I think the smart money is 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 betting. Um, you know, I'm that that's everybody I've sort of talked to that seems to be kind of what the majority of people are assuming is going to happen. There'd be a lot of rhetoric leading up to that deadline. You know, stuff out of Russia. We may not do this. You know, that kind of stuff. I'm I'm really concerned about you know when you think about China and those in the potential of providing uh, weapons to Russia and if Biden was to give a bit of a red line on that and if crossed, yikes! Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, talk about an escalation of geopolitical tensions. There it is. There it is. And as long as we're talking about China, uh, find some way, in other words, subscribe, but find some way to read page four of this week's Pearl Farmer newsletter. Right, Jim? Yes. On China's land use? Oh, it's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. It's it's uh, It is a must-read. Get your hands on it, and we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But, boy, it's something that that you need to uh, – that you need to get your hands on inflation. Jay Powell's going to be on Capitol Hill for testimony this next week, Jim. Uh, that should be interesting. Yeah. I hope they asking, why didn't you start increasing interest rates last year? Because that's a yeah. result of a very bad federal reserve policy. We're going to have higher interest rates longer as a result of your inability to call the shots. I would put the odds of that question being asked at 100%, 100%. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to interest rates and inflation and so on, we had Mark Welch uh, from Texas A&M, ag economist, uh, down there at, at TAMU. Uh, <laughs> he was on, Davis, I think it was Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. Okay. And he put it this way. He says, listen, we're at 6% inflation right now, which is better than 9%, but it is a long ways away from the Fed's 2% target. That's why he sees interest rates going higher and staying higher for longer than most in the in the markets are anticipating. Jim, it's good to have you home. Stay home for a while. We will talk to I you will. again next week. Okay. All right. Very good. Monday morning, Signal to Noise. Haney, we'll see you next week down in Orlando. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, it. All right. Excellent. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon, 206 Central. Rich Nelson from Allendale.